Hey guys, I'm Sarah, your sober host for the Rethink Recovery Podcast. Before we get started today, please like and subscribe to the show. Makes it easier for others to find us. All right, let's get started. I'm to the point with my drinking where I had became a very angry, volatile drunk. It's been said that when you experience trauma or when you begin to use, your psyche becomes stuck in that age. So you're unable to process the emotions like, uh, we'll say, regularly raised adult would, right? I can tell you a lot of the things that I did as an adult before I got sober was really approached with a teenage mindset. Like quitting jobs, cheating on my husband, breaking things, jealousy. And it was always so dumb of me because I broke a lot of phones and a lot of my own phones. Like, what the hell? I woke up a lot regretting that one. (laughs) But then I would just do it again the next month. So it just shows you the overall attitude I had towards life and how someone can deal with feelings in a very destructive way. So it's only natural that once you get sober, it's just not putting the drink down right away, right? Because even though our emotions aren't fueled by the alcohol anymore, we still have so many learned patterns and they grow into such destructive and disruptive behaviors that we've just learned over time. So that's why if we don't address and peel back and peel apart the layers on these thoughts and emotions, they'll just keep coming out in other ways into your life. These behaviors are very important for you to understand, and it's your responsibility for your recovery to be mindful of the reoccurring behaviors that keep coming up for you. I found this interesting fact on the psychological app that anger is always accompanied by three surefire things to be present when you're in anger episode. And either it can be one or all three, but a lot of the time it's usually accompanied by multiples. So the first begins with a thought. What are we beginning to think about that's festering inside of us? You know, when you have these stories we tell ourselves about situations that are negative, how we could handle them better, how we would do things differently, but all in a negative, rambling, festering mindset. I used to do this and have to catch myself a lot because I would do this in the shower for some reason and literally just be having a whole scenario in my head cursing someone out, even uh, though this is never going to happen. This scenario is never going to happen. And I would just have this whole uh, scenario in my head, what I would do at that time. It's just something some of us do that ends up being a very spiraling thought. Um, And this part of anger is the part that eats us up and turns into bigger and bigger explosions on the outside and comes out in so many ways. Those thoughts also can then be accompanied with the anger, uh, the sort of anger that ripples and causes us to behave with shouting, breaking things, banging things, slamming things, just explosive, explosive, chaotic behavior. This is the part of anger that is fueled within abusers. And the other one is your physical reaction to anger, uncontrollable shaking, heart palpitations, headaches. I know I've experienced all these in I think every incident that I've been angry, the shaking especially, I'm just a big old leaf. So anytime there's an episode of anger, one or more of these, uh, we'll say symptoms, are going to be present when you have an episode. And knowing that, and knowing some of these red flags, we can then start to become a little bit more mindful of our emotions and our feelings 
in that moment and pay attention to what they're actually trying to tell us we need to work on with inside of us. Our feelings are always going to show us what we need to work on. We do this by becoming very radically accountable for ourselves. We pretty much have been running around doing what we want, how we want, when we want, going to the store, getting what we want, anything we want to satisfy us and make us happy, right? And now we have to become accountable for ourselves and say no. If we don't evaluate our emotions and change your thought pattern around no longer being able to drink, a lot of us end up experiencing a sense of FOMO when we start drinking because of this. And it can turn and end up making us angry with other people because we can't drink like them anymore. So without addressing what's starting it, just thinking they will go away and we will just continue to have negative feelings like how we always have. And for alcoholics to now tell themselves no huh, and have self-control, well, it, this will cause chaos for any addict. It's like telling a kid who for his entire life can go into a store, right? Buy what he wants, when he wants, whenever he wants it, no matter when, uh, no matter the amount of money, just go do what you want any time of day. Then all of a sudden, one day, it's a no. Oh, that's going to piss him off. That's how it is. So when I got arrested, I was required to go into an anger management therapy. It was like a counselor, therapist. There was two or three of us sometimes in there at a time. And there was a simple, but it was a very effective technique they taught us. It's proven that you only need between five and 10 seconds to distract yourself easing any immediate and intense outbursts to any situation. This, uh, however, is much easier said than done. I completely understand. Hence, I was in an anger management class. It takes a lot of practice and mindfulness to catch yourself, especially because this has to be practiced in the heat of the moment, right? That's how it works. You have to catch yourself to stop and then assess, try to distract yourself. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. You could look at something for 10 seconds. It just has to catch you off guard. You'll start to naturally catch yourself before your emotions get the better of you. And then when you begin to implement this, you'll be able to change the outcome of your situations. I am eight years sober though, and I still have to catch myself a lot because I am a quick reactor and I start having diarrhea of the mouth. So as hard as this is, it does uh, work to make you feel better. It's all about making your life better and recovery. Always lean into the practices that feel most natural and comfortable for you. This is a time of growth, so being uncomfortable is natural. But you don't want to allow it to, to be so um, unobtainable that you're setting yourself up for really less because you feel like a failure. What goes on internally when you're new in sobriety will more than likely be a crazy roller coaster of up and down emotions. I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who was in recovery who didn't have crazy emotions at some point that they needed to really bring in. If you're not careful, your thoughts can throw you into a mindset that they call this thing, um, it's called a pink cloud in recovery. And this was my reasoning for relapsing the first time, actually. I just don't remember um, ever having a name for it. I just called it denial. But, you know, everything has to have a trendy name now. So that's what it is from now on. Pink Cloud. 
it, what it is, is you start to have this amazing feeling of conquering alcoholism, feeling like you've got this under control attitude. You start having doubts of maybe I can drink. Sometimes maybe I can drink just a beer, maybe champagne. If you don't start to confront the thoughts that come up from previous self-destructive behaviors like these, that's when you become much more susceptible to slipped ups to slip ups and drinking again. That was me. I told my husband, it's fine. I can have champagne. And of course, I ended up having to go back to rehab three years later. Yes, feeling great. That is what we're trying to achieve in recovery, right? We want to feel good. So don't think if you're feeling amazing that it's uh, self-destructive. It's the point that you get when you start telling yourself that you got a hold of your alcoholism and that you can drink like others. That's when it becomes a unauthentic happiness and then like a normalcy-like thought. And that's the slippery part you're into. You have to accept that your brain is different. And that's okay. We Trust me, guys. We're not the freaks in the room. When we were in active addiction, we just numbed all of our problems or our thoughts with chemicals, right? For so many years for some of us. So now that we're sober, it's like becoming awake for the first time. And there's going to be times uh, that you'll also feel extremely, extremely low in sobriety, right? That's the roller coaster. And those are the times that we're going to have to give ourselves grace. We have to be gentle with ourselves. This is a very hard process. It's natural. It really does hurt to grow. It's not easy to recover from alcoholism and it takes time and you have to be patient with yourself. Recovery is not a destination. Remember that. It's constant growth and self-care. Over time, you'll just start to build a real love for yourself. It's true. You really build a love for yourself. This seems to just make life a lot easier to deal with. And it becomes really amazing because you start really getting very clear on what you're willing to tolerate in your mental space. You have to put in the work to figure out where you di- your, your dial needs to be set, though. When it comes to balancing your emotions, there is a, there's a very thin line. You can start to do this with a simple exercise at the end of the day. Start to write down all your negative emotions, right? All of them that come up for you. Think about all the scenarios that you went through throughout the day. Did you feel jealous? Did you feel alone? Did you feel ugly? Did you feel boxed in? Did you feel forgotten about? Or did you have thoughts of inadequacy or uselessness? Now, this is where the work starts, right? We have to then write down on the other side all the responsibilities we had for those feelings. And it's not going to feel good because you do have to look at yourself. What have you done? It's true what they say. Other people cannot make you feel a certain way. It can set something off and trigger those responses, of course. But the truth is we all do have our responsibility for our own feelings and outcomes. And emotions left untethered end up rearing its head in very destructive outbursts at the very worst time. My feelings of inadequacy inadequacy, stemmed from assumptions, me assuming what people were thinking of me, right? It wasn't until I started to look back and say, is this really true? Am I really inadequate and broken? Because I didn't feel like that as a child, right? I'm sure most of us as children thought pretty damn highly about ourselves and didn't think we were useless pieces of shit. 
But when all of the negative beliefs keep building up over time, that ends up causing a really hard emotional crust. And most of the times, these beliefs have been all about ourselves. Have None of them have actually been true. It's when you begin to dismantle these feelings and realize a lot about your negative feelings just need to be looked at in a different way than we've been previously viewing them. Finding what ticks us either way will allow us to create different responses around these negative emotions. By being present and awake, we no longer have to see the same results we got when we were drinking. It's time to dismantle old feelings and make room to build a new response to build a new life. A lot of our negative beliefs about ourselves come from assumptions we make about other people, what other people think about us. It's important to challenge those assumptions and question whether they are really true or just a product of our own insecurities. By doing so, we can start to rebuild our self-confidence and recognize that we are not inherently inadequate or broken, but rather imperfect human beings who are capable of growth and change. It takes time and effort But with self-reflection and a willingness to change our own assumptions, we can overcome our feelings of inadequacy and move forward with greater self-assurance. And this can be a, we can demantle any feelings, right? Say for instance, you're feeling ugly and feeling jealous towards a woman who you feel looks better than you, who you think has prettier hair, nails, or their skin done or in better shape. Well, Yes, you may feel you're ugly, but is that actually true? Or is this just what you have believed over time that what you have to offer isn't beautiful? And if it bothers you and you notice this is a constant feeling that keeps rising up for you, then you need to see what responsibilities you have for these feelings and what you can change so that you can have better feeling thoughts. Think about things you can do to make you feel better about your appearance with that one. Could you start to walk every day, start a skin regimen, get a haircut, do your hair, paint your nails? I always was like that. I Every time I saw, when I was even a kid, when I saw women, I always thought they looked so beautiful and elegant and put together when I saw their nails painted. So as an adult, every time I didn't have some type of color or my nails done I just didn't feel like a lady so that was something that was said in me so sometimes I do have to I make sure that my nails are done so I feel my best and jealousy it can actually be a really extremely useful feeling if you look at it as a tool to navigate yourself towards things that you want for yourself if you look at anything you're currently feeling envious about break it down Is this something that you see having everything, someone you see, just anything, a beautiful house, exterior beauty. She has money to buy whatever she wants. It's not that you hate that they have it. It's that you want those things for yourself. And from there is when you can incorporate baby steps to evolve into what you feel jealous over, right? The example I have for myself is when I got sober. I worked for an insurance company for three years, every day, nine to five in a cubicle with my anxiety, depression, ADHD, everything. And by the end of the day, I was way too exhausted to try to be creative or anything for the longest time. I feel I really did put my 
actual authentic self on the back burner. And I was jealous of women who had amazing full lives with money and just doing what they wanted to do. But it's only when I started to break down why I was jealous instead of just sitting there being bitter. It's when I started to realize the feeling of jealousy was actually telling me that my authentic self wants to work for myself. That's the freedom I wanted. Financial freedom, emotional, mental freedom. And have time to be creative and then do things like go to my kids' school and volunteer anytime I wanted. I love, love, love helping out with the schools. And that was a big pusher for me to get freedom for myself. So I had to figure out my responsibility and what I needed to do to improve my life. From there, I started looking into low-cost and no-cost businesses. That weekend, I just happened to be cleaning out my old pantry and found a cheap cotton candy machine we used at my daughter's birthday party 10 years prior. And I realized that was it. I'm going to try selling cotton candy. I ended up spending $300 on a cotton candy machine and reached out to some local kids sports teams and started vending on the weekend. I haven't touched an office building since 2018. That's just, that's something I started doing on the weekend to build me enough money to be able to quit my job. I just needed to listen and figure out the lesson that these low energy feelings were trying to tell me. And then by by opening up avenues to help heal the underlining issues. This had gotten to the point where it was necessary for me to find something I had started um, having panic attacks before even walking into the elevator, right? Because once you start becoming aware of your thoughts, your body will physically react like a fight or flight mode to try and keep you safe. And mentally and emotionally, I didn't feel safe. Once you start dismantling your feelings, your life will change. You know those people who just walk around bitter and miserable and hateful and just have a terrible outlook on life no matter what? That happens the majority of the time when you think life is happening to you and not for you. When you keep up the attitude that life and feelings are in your favor, you'll start to live to the fullest without false emotional barriers telling you that your shitty feelings is just how your life is meant to be, right? Don't settle for that. So I hope you guys got something out of today. That's all I have, but I really hope that you're starting to enjoy the show because the purpose of the Rethink Recovery podcast is to make recovering from alcoholism easier and happier for you. Please let me know if there's anything else that you'd like to hear about on an up-and-coming episode, and don't forget to like and subscribe and comment to make it easier for others in recovery to find us. Thanks again. Have a good week.